In today's episode, the founder of Women of Hong Kong, Sarabi. Hello everyone, welcome to the Unconventionals. This is Javier Aguilar, and I'm a business developer based in Hong Kong. And you know, through my life, I often run into inspiring people with an amazing journey to share. And I just felt I didn't ask all the questions that I wanted to ask. And this happens to a lot of us, right? There was so much I wanted to know about their journey, their mindsets, about their lifestyles, and how they made it to where they are today. And often, these people achieve success in many different ways. They achieve success in their own terms. Well, that's exactly the purpose of this podcast. In the Unconventionals, I'm having conversations with people who have made their way in life through unconventional ways. My goal is to share with you the lifestyles, challenges, and mindset that took these people to where they are today. If you're looking for a podcast that inspires you to create your own unconventional journey, this is for you. Subscribe to the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or any other podcast app. Let's go. Founder of Women of Hong Kong, single mom, crazy bitch, had to unlearn her traumas. I mean, if you're recording, let's, that's my introduction. I'm actually recording already. Oh my God. I normally start recording before I tell people to. That's cool. Anyway, we're just going to go with the flow. I'm actually really happy to like get to know you in person finally. Yay. <laughs> I hope been, not to disappoint. Not at all. <laughs> I've been following you on Instagram for a while and I've been following what you've been doing over the past few years. And so for those who don't know, you're Sarah, Sarah V, and you are the founder of Women of Hong Kong, which is, uh, maybe I'll let you define what Women of Hong Kong yes. is. I like to say that part. Um, <laughs> women of Hong Kong is an all-inclusive network of women that are after supporting each other and open to getting support in return. Are there are no barriers to who can join it. Um, there are also no requirements on what you need to do when you become a member. And the membership is absolutely free. Okay, very nice. Um, how long have you been? Let me start by asking you, when did you get started with this idea? Um, what motivated you to do so? When I started this idea, it wasn't really what I thought it would be today. Um, I was a club manager in 2012 till 2014, and I wanted to make women feel comfortable when we go out for drinks. Um, part of the reason was because it was my job to bring people, but the other side was also there was a need that came from me to feel comfortable if I'm having fun. I don't want to be constantly thinking about what I'm wearing or am I in a safe place? And I realized what helps that is when I feel safe with other people. Mm -hmm. So I curated something called Girls of Lang Kwai Fong. Okay. And it was, <laughs> people always laugh at this, but it is a social drinking club. Um, it started with 10 women to 20. Long story short, it grew up to 3,000 on a Facebook group by 2016. Oh, wow. We started in 2014. Yeah, women like to drink. <laughs> We have a lot of problems. And that was really all it was, a social drinking club that had this silent understanding that we're here to still support each other, mm. right? We're here to compliment each other on what we're wearing and make each other feel safe. But it wasn't until the protests happened in Hong Kong from 2017, 18, 19, mm. it was just ongoing on and off. Uh, people started losing jobs and the, the group that already migrated to WhatsApp naturally became a self-help hotline for the members in it. Okay. It went from, uh, where are we going for happy hour this weekend to, 
ladies, I know this is um, not your usual question, but I've, I, I think I'm about to lose my job. Is there anyone I can pass my CV to? Uh, and I've even had private messages going, do you know anyone that might have a contact to a divorce lawyer or have spoken to one within I trust the network I know I won't be uh, publicly shamed for asking these questions so that was what happened and everybody thought the protest was done in 2019 Hmm. and then COVID hit 2019 December was when the buzz started about this flu or or, or something scary. People mm. were like, what is it? Is it uh, viral? Um, we just thought it was another version of the flu. Anyway, that was the first time I had that idea of what if we had more women joining our network to provide more support and help for each other? Or I wonder how many more women need this level of support that the current women in the in the group is getting. So being a tech nerd, I've, I used to build websites since the, the age of 11, 9, 10, 11, these two years, I was figuring things out. I said, I will make a landing page. And it's very simple. Women can put their email in mm-hmm. and they get a link to the WhatsApp group chat. And that's it. You're a member. You're part of the network. Um, So I announced that in January 2021. And here we are. That that was how the idea formulated. So I would say it came from just wanting to feel safe myself. Very interesting because it came very naturally. It came from being a social group to becoming a platform, supportive platform. Was there a moment where you realized that it went from just a fun thing to do to more of a, I guess, of a business idea, of a community that it was really, you know, that you were responsible for? I guess at some point, well, like, you were like, wow, this is getting big enough yes. for, me, for me to go from, ah, this is just fun to, okay, now this could be a career path, this could be a project of mine. How did you go through that? And when did you feel that turning point came about? I'm trying to rack my brain properly for that aha moment, but Mm. very similar to if I had that idea in the first place, it just gradually came to be. It's like Mm. things started becoming clearer to me of what this is and what my responsibilities were if I wanted to maintain it. My original thought was, like I said, it was just a network of women feeling safe. I didn't see it as a job or a career. I did see it as beneficial. Just like everybody in the network, this community is beneficial for me. It's beneficial for my job. It's beneficial because I'm a single mom. It's beneficial if I have issues as a woman in Hong Kong. But because of the size that it grew into, that was when I I, I took a step back and, and looked at it and said, wow, I need to take better charge. I need to take responsibility of what's happening within the network, where it's going to go, because this is going to be extremely impactful. Hmm. It already was. So I reached an understanding with myself that if I didn't work on myself, that would reflect on how I execute things in the network. Hmm. And that became really important to me. Okay, so then not only did you take this uh, project um, but you also made it personal in the sense that you realize your own imperfections that we all have and try to start working with them alone. So I guess this was also this Women of Hong Kong was also a motivator for you to grow in, internally, personally, to become you know the better version of yourself. Like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I don't think I could be. How do I phrase this properly? If I was a member of a network like Women of Hong Kong, I would have this expectation of the founders or anyone that's managing this group that they have my safety and well-being in mind, Mm. right? That's me 
looking at it from their perspective. I do not want to be used as a data mining project if I was a member of a network. I do not want to be constantly advertised with products, what I can buy, uh, how I should look. I don't want to be, I want to just feel safe and good in my skin. And I also want to be heard if I'm part of a community. Mm. So those are the percep- the the perspectives that I do my best to look at. And then I, I flip it over and apply it to what I need to be doing. Mm. So based off of that, and I'm constantly always asking the network, what do you think? Do you think we should do this? Do you think we should focus on this mental health topic? What about um, prenatal, postnatal, or amongst other things? There's so many topics I, I never even thought to bring up, like peri or menopause. For me, this is a foreign concept, but it is something I know I should be learning about mm. uh, later on. But the women in there are the ones educating me. The women in there are the ones that give me the advice and the feedback whether it's sometimes negative or positive, for me, all feedback is constructive. Mm. It will allow me to see how to better run this network because ultimately, this isn't for me anymore. It's for everybody else involved. I've only gotten this far because of the the women that believe in it, that believe in what this is. So I owe it to them to have that level of responsibility in mm. how I execute anything within the network i hope that answered your question yeah of course it did <laughs> i'm actually curious to know because you already mentioned that um, it's a supportive tool and people in the community feel safe but especially in the recent years or months you not only you're no longer just a whatsapp group you have events you have um speakers like tell me a little bit more like wh- how does it look like today also for any people that are listening women in hong kong that maybe don't know about you just yet like what's how is it shaping at the moment or what are your goals for for it to evolve how it's shaped at the moment yes so my background is marketing and branding and events Mm -hmm. um naturally i would want to use my skill set to develop the network so events was one of the things that i thought was really important because if the members need to uh, connect with each other the best way is always in person, right? It's mm-hmm. You can only do so much on messaging um, or even phone calls, but face-to-face interaction is crucial for people building relationships. So I use my time as much as I can to think of events, but not only for the purpose of connecting women, but um, always identifying what's really the reason here. I, I don't want to just do a drinking event for the sake of drinking. Uh, do we have a specific topic? Is some of the funds going to charity? Am I changing uh, something about the business networking? You know, is it different from the business networking events in Hong Kong? So when I execute events, it's with the members in mind. Are they going to get something out of this event compared to your usual Hong Kong events? Uh, that's number one. And what the members can also do is, this is going back to me coding the website, is that they can publish their own businesses onto the website. I wanted to make it easy. I wanted mm. to make it easy for people that are starting their own businesses. With, you know, with COVID and the protests, people had to pivot. You t- you were telling me earlier before we started recording mm. that this podcast came to fruition because of your 21-day quarantine, right? Exactly. So. To support that, I've built the pages on the website um, that so that it has capabilities for the members to publish their hard work, their passion project, mm. um, gain more visibility from the network to their business and vice versa. Everybody has that understanding. 
And if you don't have a business, that's totally okay. The network is not a business network. It is a personal network. It is meant to uh, get you in front of the people that ultimately you might need help from. But something I love that I've seen just, just come to life is that every single person that joins the network, they end up helping someone they never thought they would. Okay. So there's always that, you know, give and take and give and take, but it's so rewarding. I think that's the best word to describe what it's like to be a member in the network. It is just rewarding. You will get as much as you give. And that's that that's to anyone that's curious, oh, what if what are the responsibilities in being a member? That is absolutely up to you. You don't have to attend the events, but if you do, you know, you get what you give. Mm. Um, if you're constantly chatting or you're not, that's also up to you. I think oh, one of the members uh, said this to me the other day when she, when we were trying to describe what the community really is like. And I think this is the first time I'm going to use that. Okay. She said, Women of Hong Kong is a build your own adventure, <laughs> right? Like when you open a book and it says go to page three for to go into the mm. jungle or page six to sit at home and read a book. That's up to you. Women of Hong Kong Network is a build your own adventure of support. Very nice. Very nice way to put it too. Wow. Um, I'm actually then curious to see, okay, now as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. because now, is this your full-time thing at the moment? Like uh, My full-time thing. Is this also when it comes to like, you know, uh, income... Like, is this your main project? Yes. I I didn't intend it to be. Um, but going back to what I said about the level of responsibility, mm. I realized it took to manage something so big that's becoming so big. One of the responsibilities for me was to really dedicate myself to this. I'm either going completely full into it or not at all. Mm. It's either a hobby or an impactful job. Hmm. Right. Um, I had to choose either. Do I want to keep this as something on the side that's fun or could I build it into something that can create uh, change? Hmm. And I think that's what's happening. So I've gone in that direction. I've given up um, any jobs that I, I used to have before. I do have marketing consultation calls on the side with some people to help them. Hmm, um, but this is my main baby. This is my <laughs> this is the big one. Yeah. No wonder you are putting all your all your focus and I think you yeah. strike me as a, a bit of a perfect perfectionist. Yes, unfortunately for me. Is that unfortunate? I mean I guess it has pros and cons, no? Yes. I think the the cons with being a perfectionist is the lack of time management. You lose mm. yourself in perfecting the work because you want to uh, deliver such a, a, a good quality uh, output that you forget that you've lost so much time in doing work for other things. Mm. So that, that is, being a perfectionist is a battle on its own. Mm. What would you say is one of the biggest challenges that you have encountered in these few years, like launching these projects? Because now it seems alive, I guess, maybe because you being a perfectionist or any other situation that came across did you experience any big challenges and if so what do you think it were for you yeah definitely uh, when you asked that question i had so many challenges <laughs> rolling over and over again in my in my mind but um i guess one of them would be connecting with people on a vulnerable and intimate level um okay. i say that because 
sometimes people will question your intentions. Why are you doing this? Mm. Or are you doing it because you know, you have a hidden motive? And it is difficult to, to explain it to people that aren't ready to really understand intention. So I would say that would be one thing um, because that rolled over into business relationships or the members that join the network or even uh, companies that want to put money into it, right? Mm. Because it is a great opportunity to get your business out there. I have nearly 7,000 signups. Mm. So that would be a gold mine for, for people. But like I said, my intention, I always check in with myself. My intention needs to always come correct. Um, I'm not gonna sell out the members. And I think that's also the challenge there, the money, right? I could earn so much from this network. I could use every single email in there and data mine and so on and so on and so on. I could get this sponsorship. I could get that uh, acknowledgement, but I don't because it, it always goes back to, is this correct? Is this brand coming in with good intentions for the network hmm. before I take their money? Hmm and is taking their money going to benefit the network or is it going to benefit me? Oftentimes I've had to turn a lot of um, funding opportunities down because I just felt like the intention behind that was, wasn't in alignment with what I wanna stick with. Um, and I would say that that's a challenge in itself because like I said, this is my full-time job, but I also need to be responsible with mm -hmm. where this is going. But I do believe in time, I will have the right funding. Yeah, it's also about think in short term versus maybe think in the long term because some of these decisions you're actually do making them for the benefit of the community mm -hmm. for building the right thing yeah getting caught up the ego comes in and then you want to like more and more and more but yeah i think uh, yeah you're putting the you're trying to put the ego aside i guess i'm focusing on the longevity of the community and their well-being, right? Yeah, I, I don't think this is something that people can easily replicate. Um, the network is built on trust. You can't buy that. Hmm. And if you do, then that's just a marketing gimmick. Okay, so that uh, one of the one of the questions that I have been thinking about is what do you think were the keys to the success? And I guess you just mentioned one of them, which is trust, no? Yes, absolutely, trust. The keys to uh, a successful network, you mean? Mm, yeah. It's definitely... Uh, the keys to I need to think about this properly because there's so much. <laughs> I mean, I, I could imagine you've, you've mentioned community, you mentioned support. Uh, and I think something that I really like is that you just said that people take give as much as they take. So you're also offering, giving them the chance to like, yeah, I, I guess I had, uh, I had a difficult time trying to pencil in the answer for that question simply because it doesn't come for me. The success the only type of success, the, sorry, the only type, hmm, I'm really challenged for this question. This is funny. No it's because the success really comes from the members itself. Um, I describe the process of success within Women of Hong Kong as here I am, I'm building the bridge. Are you going to cross it? Hmm. And for every single person that crosses this bridge, it becomes successful. So when people ask me, what's the success behind Women of Hong Kong? Uh, I can say it started with my idea, but it ends with thousands of women believing in it. Mm. That's really where the success is. The level of support that they're putting in, 
the generosity of members knowing that they can give either give resources or manpower my way to help build this mm. because ultimately we all know that it's going to just benefit us mm. all the time so for sure i guess that was that was the answer yeah <laughs> for sure i'm thinking um when you look at this in a couple of years down the line or even five years on the line if you if you would picture that does it look similar that it is today or are you playing with ideas on how to pivot this to take it one step further like is there something that you have in your you know in your to-do list that maybe you haven't accomplished yet um it could be different tools that you offer the the community that you have in the pipeline or does it look like maybe exploring to other cities like tell me a little bit about how would this look like for you so when you think of your project in a few years down the line do you have inspirations or places where you would like to be um, how do you see women of hong kong growing in the future i love this question i really do because uh, i think people don't realize the potential of supporting each other, how impactful it could be. I see women of Hong Kong expanding to other cities first in Asia. Think about women in Cambodia, women of Singapore, women of Vietnam. There are women everywhere and there are women everywhere that need support and also are willing to give it. Mm. So that level of support Now you're looking at an Asia, an Asia takeover, right? But you could also see in Europe. You could see it in the States. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's not impossible. Hmm. But this isn't where it ends. And I should probably give you an NDA for this. <laughs> but I've come to terms with uh, saying out loud where I see women of Hong Kong going because I know, like I said, it's not easily replicatable. It's not something that people could just copy and paste. I hope to expand Women of Hong Kong into other cities, to other countries. And then after that, it would become such an impactful community worldwide that it turns into a safety mechanism, like an app. Wherever you go, members can track each other. Mm -hmm. Members can send a signal if they're feeling unsafe about a blind date or traveling to an unknown destination because they're also explorers or what if our children are visiting other countries and now our members are in that city as well and mm -hmm. we can just communicate without having to be family or friends it's it's limitless mm. when this network expands and scales worldwide the impact is limitless mm. absolutely And I, I, I'm willing to dedicate my life for the next 10, 15, 20 years to make that happen. I really am. I, I say this all the time. I could do this for the rest of my life. Wow, that's great. Yeah, I mean, wish you the best. I'm, uh, I'll be here <laughs> you'll be you. there. I'll be here for sure. You'll be, you'll be doing an interview with me uh, somewhere <laughs> exactly. where we've scaled. <laughs> okay, sounds good. I guess through this process of learning and trying and networking, And I say this thinking about myself as well. Um, I've came across this um, impostor syndrome uh, feeling um, whenever you are doing something that you care about, but then maybe it's growing sometimes maybe faster than you think, or you're getting a lot of things coming to you that you were not expecting. Did you experience this before? And if so, how do you deal with this? Especially I could imagine in the earlier beginnings when you also we're working on yourself alongside working with this because you said that you're a perfectionist yeah so i guess you also <laughs> wanted to be the best version of yourself alongside 
did this feeling come to you first of all yeah absolutely like it, it wakes up and sleeps with me <laughs> it's my best friend and my worst enemy imposter syndrome hmm. i didn't launch the network until 2021 but really the idea of building women of hong kong came in 2018 mm. crazy right that's three years of potentially impacting people together uh, that i didn't take and that was because i looked at myself and this is something i i, I learned while looking to what imposter syndrome is, it can also come from a series of self-limiting beliefs. Mm. Things where uh, things that come up and, and tell you, oh, you're not good enough, you're not the right person for this role, or you're just lucky you, you stumbled upon uh, a network of people that believe you, oh, but this will be over soon. You know, these are self-limiting thoughts. Mm. That's that negative voice in your head that tells you don't do it. Stop what you're doing, don't do it, and you're going to fail. And... I have that constantly. Um, I believe a part of it comes from my identity in Hong Kong. Being Filipino, I'm neither local person or an expat. Mm. I don't really know where I fall. Uh, the local people see me as an expat and the expat sees me a lo as a local. Mm. Um, and then there's the domestic helper uh, stereotype, right? If I don't wear my makeup, I, I don't doll up and I'm, I'm with my son walking around. Uh, people assume I'm the help and it's not that I mind, but it's it tells you about the stereotype here. But when I am dolled up and I have my heels on and I'm ready to go partying with the girls, I have been asked that uncomfortable question of how much, right? And this is reality. I mean, people listening on this could, could become uncomfortable, but it is the truth of what Filipino women in Hong Kong go through. So here's a stack of limiting beliefs for you of, of things that potentially contributed to my imposter syndrome because everybody's imposter syndrome is different. It's that shadow that follows you everywhere that tells you, you know, you're really not good enough and this is short-lived. Um, I'm sure you've had that. I'm sure you've, you've had this like, oh, I'm oh, yeah, doing this, times. right? Even, even my podcast, I think it took me a year or two from having the yeah. idea to really say, okay, now let's sit down and do it. And and I think for me, it was just feeling of being judged and not doing a good yes. job. And I was like, but who, feeling judged by whom? And maybe it was like people from, I don't know, high school. And I'm like, I don't even talk to these people for like <laughs> 10 years. Yes. I don't even follow them anymore. Like we have Same. no contact, why? But in my head, it was actually like their faces. I'm like, why? But yeah, yes. we're a teenager. Uh, when, when being a teenager, maybe you were afraid of what people would think. And then you take that with you. Yeah. Like a decade later, you're like, wow, no, I mean, we need to work on this. I was bullied a lot in high school. So I would say that's one of the 20 layers of of contributions to my imposter syndrome. Um, but you're right. Even when you look back and think about, oh, people are going to judge me. And the faces that come up when you ask yourself, who's going to judge me? It's all these people that have hurt you in the past. Um, and, and that in itself takes a lot of work to get uh, past and a level of absolute honesty with yourself because when you have these negative voices telling you you can't you don't deserve it or you're not good enough mm. you really have to listen to that and and try to be truthful about what you're capable what you deserve your talents your skills because sometimes we downplay what we can do would you speak to your children that way the way you speak to yourself in such a negative voice no we would never kids of course not so why do we do it to ourselves 
I still battle with imposter syndrome. There are days where I would cancel my meetings and I'd just stay in bed and I feel depressed. I heard another voice in my head because the other day someone was like, you don't look like a person that should be depressed. And I'm like, oh my gosh, let me change how that looks for you. Let me just uh, cut all my eyebrows off or something. Um, But depression has no face. Mm. It's really all about what you can do at the end of the day to build yourself up mentally. Mm. Because these things will always come up. Yeah, and it it will come up, but the key is to like overcome it because yes. you're here because you you face those, you were honest with yourself. Um maybe you analyzed what was going on and then worked on it. Didn't so the, I guess the key is not to not have imposter syndrome, is to like recognize it and then realize that it's just maybe a mind trick that we're doing to protect ourselves and then do it anyways or you know find the resources and pushing through yeah i I think with things like imposter syndrome it's similar to negative emotions right you don't build a life that eradicates all negative emotions because then you don't learn you don't feel anything if the moment you feel anger, you can you tell yourself, "Oh, I'm not allowed to feel angry. Let me uh, put this away and put this aside." It's going to come back up, right? So even the the thoughts that go through your mind when you go through imposter syndrome, instead of hiding those or pretending it's not there, you carry it with yourself, but you convince yourself that this isn't the voice I want to hear. So it's like a tool, right? You can hold on to all these negative emotions, but you don't let it run your day. You have to know how to use it to your advantage. Imposter syndrome is a tool that could be another way to clarify your journey, right? Are you really that bad of a person as you believe? Are you really not deserving of all these good things? Mm. I don't believe, I don't believe that. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. It's your mental capacity. So I really think investing in in your mental health is so important. Mm, For sure. So for those for those people that are like maybe they have a project in mind or they're trying to make something of themselves or having a business what is something that you have learned in the last few years any tip or a couple of tips or tools that will help them that maybe would have helped you if you knew earlier um yeah to just i'm trying not to laugh um (laughs) time management and communication skills okay how can you deliver your passion project um, and convince people to buy into it if you don't know how to communicate. But not just sales communication or marketing, it's people skills. You have to have a level of emotional intelligence to identify if this person is actually interested in what you have to say and are they buying into what you want them to buy into. Mm. Um, Those would be the two things, communication skills and time management for sure. Which one's doing? Which one are you doing better at the moment? I'm definitely doing communication skills better, time management. <laughs> I need to fix that. <laughs> um, we haven't talked about how can people reach out to you or to Women of Hong Kong. Tell us a little bit for those listening. What are the website? I'll link it all um, on the podcast. But yeah, how can people reach out? How can people sign up? Sure, uh, you can sign up for a free account uh, on our website. I forgot my own website. I'm going to say that again. That's so funny. (laughs) Okay. So people can sign up. People can sign up for a free account uh, on womenofhongkong.com or you can reach out to us on Instagram, which is womenofhk. 
and my personal account, which I urge you not to bombard me with messages because I'm still handling time management issues there. Um, but you can find me at sarahv.asia. There you go. Okay. Sarah, it's been very, very good um, interviewing you, talking to you. And now we get to know a lot more about your journey, about Women of Hong Kong. I think it's a very interesting project, very interesting community that I wanted to know more about. Um, yeah, thanks for sharing your your journey with us. Awesome. Thank you for having me. And I'm glad we finally made this happen. Yeah, <laughs> took a bit, but... Took just four months and a half. <laughs> well, yeah, life. It's all good. I, I believe that, you know, in good timing, things are meant to happen the way they are. Very good. We'll stay with that. All right. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye.